Say a Bond thing. Oh. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Wife Watches. I'm your host, Jay Shin. And I'm also your host, Courtney. No, you, my, no. Then am I a guest? No, you're the subject. Well, Jay Shin wants this podcast all to himself. How's everything going? It's great. Having a great Friday. Oh, what about you? I always forget to ask people. You know, when someone's like, what are you doing for your weekend? I tell them, and then they're like, anyway, this is what I'm doing. Here's the thing. It's because I don't really care, and I feel like they are just asking me to be polite or to tell me what they're doing. I get it. Well, hopefully they learn a lesson to not ask me. Hopefully. Cordy, we have some listener mail, if you can believe that. I can. At this point, I can. Elliot Morris uh, contacted uh, our podcast through various means. He, He reaches out to us a lot, but this is in response to our Terminator episode that we did. In that episode, I was making a joke at Elliot's expense because (laughs) Elliot will regularly just be involved with weird stuff. Like mostly involving movies. Yeah, yeah. But like also... Or just like pop cultural experiences. Also other things like some people robbed him. They like... He he runs like a book club at a prison and someone stole the books. And so he made it on the news. He just has like (laughs) little... He has like little funny things like that. Will you put in the audio to that? Yeah, I'll try to find that. The latest plot twist came Monday morning. Morris was out of town when he saw this doorbell camera video of a man on his front porch loading packages of donated books into an orange bucket, then taking off. For his efforts, he gets home and he opens the packages. What does he have? So he has Edward Snowden's memoir. He has some Sherlock Holmes stories and Ian McEwan's Atonement. Our theme for the summer is called Literary Secrets, so books where secrets are at the core of the story or the characters, kind of the power of secrets. Now Morris wants to uncover the secret of this man's identity so a judge can throw the book at him. I want him to be held accountable. Doesn't necessarily mean I want to throw him in jail and have him join my book club, but I would love a book report. I want to know what he thinks of the books. This incident just might change the book club's reading list. Perhaps they would like to check out Marcus Zusak's number one bestseller, The Book Thief. The Book Thief, yeah, I'll, that's a good one. Perhaps crime and punishment? They do actually want to read that. That's on one of our lists, so that'll be very apropos. He like told us one time about how he went to the Oscars for the night that Return of the King won and met Sean Astin and stuff and talked to him about Rudy, I think. <laughs> anyway, so I was like, oh, oh I bet, you know, if we, if we knew anyone that rode the Terminator 2 ride. It's Elliot. Yeah, it's probably Elliot. We're stupid just being idiots. And it doesn't even exist anymore. If you've been on the Terminator ride... This sounds like something that Elliot Morris would have gone on. Of course, of course, because Elliot, so. Elliot just finds himself, he goes to the Oscars <laughs> and goes on rides that are retired and no one gets to anymore. <laughs> Elliot, call in if you rode Terminator yeah. T2 3D. We know you did. Battle across time. Um, turns out he did ride the Terminator <laughs> 2 ride. And I did go to the 3D Terminator ride at Universal Studios uh, when I was young and the now defunct E.T. ride as well. The 3D Terminator thing was cool, like the liquid head 
uh, went out across the audience. I remember seeing commercials for it as a kid and was like, well, what is, uh, yeah, my mom went to go visit one of her friends and they had kids around my age and she just took me for some reason, not my other siblings, and I got to go and it was super cool. So did you guys ever play the Terminator 2 arcade game? Anyone remember that? No. I never played the arcade. I never played a lot of arcade games. I didn't really. The only arcade game I ever played was they had Mortal Kombat at the local Kent's in Brigham City. Um, I remember it was like a big deal if we went to Ogden to go to Nickelcade. <laughs> that was like a that was like an occasion. Yeah, Nickelcade and Sandy was a an occasion as well. Wow, the thrill of a Nickelcade when it, you're like nine. It's funny thinking back too, because wasn't that just like the trashiest place in the world? Oh yeah, I would never go there and touch all that <laughs> shit today. Well, like it was when when would have been the heyday of a Nickelcade? Like like early two thousands? No, the eighties. I mean. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Like, I I thought you meant like my. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I, I also went in like ninety nine, two thousand, but like it felt like a, I felt like a dreamscape that I went into. Even though, yeah. even looking back now, I'm like that place was falling apart. Yeah, even that it was like twenty <laughs> years past its prime, and I was just like, this is amazing. Looking at all like the dumb things you could buy with all the tickets you have, always and I was slime. Like, I was like, what do I want? Yeah, oh yeah, you, that was you were a slime girl. Absolutely, you went for the slime. I did. All right, another another little uh, thing I have from Elliot too. A very funny memory of Mission Impossible too was we were going to go see it in theaters and a friend of my mom was like oh you're taking your young boys like there's kind of a an intimate sex scene in there and so my dad still took us but we were watching it and right as he suspected the scene was going to come up we all got up and walked out of the theater and waited like five minutes and then went back in and years later i remember watching it jason you'll probably know it was a scene with him and Newton in the bathtub. I mean, they're clothed. They're not really even getting down at all. It's a very tame scene. I remember watching that and just thinking of the person who said that very differently. <laughs> Be like, wait, that scene was like too much. Like you had the whole like. It was not. I mean, I'll go back and watch it again, but it was nothing. Like, uh, yeah, it was so. It threw me off. I expected like this big steamy scene, and it was nothing. So. <laughs> It is so funny that he said that too because I had the exact same experience happen to me. <laughs> Did you walk out of a theater? Well, okay, not maybe not exactly the same, but with Mission Impossible 2, I wanted to see that for my 11th birthday and I had a couple of my friends like ready to go. That's what we were going to do for my birthday and one of my friend's moms nixed the idea because she heard of a sex scene in it. But actually the one I'm thinking about, Elliot, was... Not the one you're talking about where they're like in the tub doing some spy stuff, I think. But there's one where like they actually, after they have like the weird car roll around, look lock eyes in slow-mo thing, they like do have a little bit of a sex scene, but it's mostly Tom Cruise and Tandaway Newton just sitting in a bed together, like talking. That's hot. It was so hot. Because of my friend's mom, who was like, you're, you can't go see that, you're too young. We ended up seeing Disney's Dinosaur. I mean, like, aren't there examples of that where you're just like, you wanted to do something, but because of like a friend, like being like, I'm kind of sick or like a mom being like, no, he can't do that. You're like, okay, I guess we'll do the lame thing. I have a memory of going to see the Haunted Mansion. The Eddie Murphy one? Yeah, for my birthday. But my birthday's in December. They wouldn't have released that in December. I don't know. November 26, 2003. Wow. I did go see it for my birthday. No kidding. That, why did that come out in November? Um, that came out for Thanksgiving, I would assume. That was a Thanksgiving release. Yeah, it's funny. It's almost like the idea of marketing a Disney movie just based on the popularity of a ride is actually kind of like a really weird marketing strategy. I personally can't get into this tonight. Okay. Anyway, thanks, Elliot. 
Thanks. We'll try to think of other funny things that only you would have done in your life. <laughs> yeah. Look, enough of this preamble, okay? <laughs> We're also killing time a little bit because we have people in our basement. So if you hear any... On purpose. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They're uh, doing carpet stuff. If yeah. you hear any um, boom, 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 pounding, that's what that is. Or anything that sounds like... Da, da, da. Or any like... <laughs> or any... If you hear that... It's a lot of carpet going on in our basement's baseball game. <laughs> Courtney's working on her improv again. <laughs> Courtney, do you know what movie we're watching tonight? I think so. What, what are we watching? 007. Do you know what it's called? Casino Real. I said Real. I meant Royale. It is Royale. Yeah. yeah. No, do you know why we're watching it? Oh, because the next one's coming out. Yeah. Pretty soon. Still? Yes. Are we it sure? Is. Yes. Okay. Yeah. We're just trying to no, it definitely get is. our dates right. It that one's is. been put off for two years, not just one. No, it definitely is because they have lost, I would say, conservatively $50 million oh my in marketing costs. And Shang-Chi has done very well at the box office, enough that Venom moved up two weeks. Oh. So, like, I think everything from here to the end of December, they've, like, locked in because they've seen the numbers that Shang-Chi has pulled in. Wow. All right, Courtney, as the subject of the podcast, I'm going to put you in the hot seat. I'm going to ask you a series of questions to gauge kind of what you know about stuff. Okay. It's not a surprise. I do feel like I do this each time we record a podcast. What do you know about James Bond? Okay, here we go. Here's the first thing I think of when I think of James Bond. Perfect. What? Goldeneye, the 90s Nintendo video game. Yeah. Here's why it's seared into my memory forever. One time we watched James Bond when it was Pierce Brosnan, my family and myself. Okay. When it was Pierce Brosnan. Well, so during the movie, we got sourdough pizza and I started feeling really sick. And then my brothers were like playing the GoldenEye game. Okay. Then I threw up everywhere. I can't eat sourdough pizza anymore. Because of that? Yeah. Oh, well, okay. So what do you know about the character of James Bond? Uh, He is a spy. Yes. International spy. Okay. Austin Powers parodies James Bond. Yep. You've seen those? I know there are a few James Bonds. Yes, I've seen Austin Powers. Okay. Sean Connery. All right. Pierce Brosnan. Yep. I almost said Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Craig. <laughs> those are the only three I know of. Okay. There's, Is there one more? Um, There's six in total. Oh, so, you're missing so there's three more. Three. Well, because Roger Moore is probably the is a long-serving Bond. I'm not surprised you don't know the other two. Okay. Since I don't have like a lot of memories tied to James Bond, my like personal James Bond, I would say is Pierce Brosnan. I haven't seen the day. Da- I've seen Skyfall. That's all. I've- I would say it's normally who you grow up with. Okay. So, so that I one. would say most people our age would be like, it's Pierce Brosnan, especially because of how all consuming GoldenEye, the N64 game was. Okay. Okay. Have you seen any James Bond movies? I think I've seen Die Another Day. Oh, okay. Is that the one with Halle Berry? Yes. I've seen that one. Okay. I don't remember it. And I've seen Skyfall. I have not seen Casino Royale. I also used to get them mixed up with Mission Impossible. What else What else rolls in your head when you think of James Bond? There's like, always a like a Bond girl. There's the, those songs that I know from when I from my days in community theater. Yeah. There's a song to everyone. Here we go. I got the juices flowing now. It's kind of a big deal to get tapped to. That means you're like the hot artist right now. Yeah. 
There's also, I mean, like, there's some great ones and then some real stinkers. I have one. Nobody does it better. Yeah, that's actually a really famous one. That's for the oh, spy. That's, that's for the spy who loved me. Yeah. How about this one? Goldfinger. That's an iconic one because that's very like Shirley Bass did a lot. Okay. A lot of them are very brassy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're like evoking the theme song. You know? Do you know the theme song? Yeah. <laughs> My sister. Shout out to Amy. Uh, in the year. 2001 Mm -hmm. we were in a production in a community theater called broadway kids kids with a z (laughs) is this like kid bops for theater basically yeah so like the year before it was millennium obviously so it was kind of like a time machine they all had they all each year they had a theme so the time machine year millennium was like going through decades of like broadway shows okay or like movies and then 2001 the theme was Hooray for Hollywood. So that's the year that Amy did Goldfinger. And then the last year we did it was School Days. Can you imagine how it was spelled? D-A-Y-Z. Perfect. Absolutely. How was school spelled? O-S-K-O-O-L? <laughs> yes. So was their school thing, days. their thing was just like cutesy misspelling of every word, like <laughs> Winnie the Pooh? I guess. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so in the Hooray for Hollywood, we did like Esther Williams. I was like diver, dancer, person. Okay. Um, and Amy sang Goldfinger. Solo. Solo. And then she did such a good job that they asked her to sing it at Draper Days. <laughs> I'm like, Draper Days with a Z? <laughs> Not really. Uh, <laughs> There was like this big stage. I just thought it was the coolest thing. Amy was dressed from head to toe in black with these gold chains. <laughs> it was, I thought it was so cool. Like, like, like a chain that she's swinging or like she's like, she like had a chains all over. No, no, no. She had like a belt that was like a gold chain. And then she's wearing like all this gold jewelry, like chains. <laughs> Not like a tough guy, like no. Okay, yeah, yeah. So okay. anyway, like a ruffian you'd like bump into. Can you name any other of the movie titles? Is 007 in each of them? No. Okay, what's 007? That's his like agent title. Got there it. Are, no, his code name, I guess. No, I can't. What about any like famous lines? I'm not really leading you anywhere specific. I just Bond, I, James Bond. Oh, great. Okay, I just didn't know if like some things had like seeped in over time or That's what. It. Yeah. He's smooth. He's sexy. He's a playboy. Girls love him. Does he scuba dive? Ever? He has scuba dived. Okay. Does he ski? He has skied. There's some really famous skiing sequences. Got it. He's a skier. He's a scuba. Er. Yeah. Let me tell you a little bit about James Bond. Okay. Okay. This is what people would have known going into this movie. I okay. have questions, but I want to see if you're going to answer them. I bet you will. That's what an emotionally intelligent person would do. I appreciate that. He's so good looking. You, I let you stare at Sean Connery for like 24 <laughs> seconds, by the way. He's so cute. All right. James Bond, as a character, was created by... Do you know who created him? Yeah, Ian Fleming. Wow. Okay, so you didn't know that. I just saw it right there. Oh, shit. You're right. It's right there on that poster. Okay. Ian Fleming created James Bond in 1953. Okay. He wrote 12 novels and two short story collections. Bond was a composite character based on commandos that Fleming knew during his service in the Naval Intelligence Division in World War II, and also based on some sort of like himself. You you kind of nailed it. He's like a bit of a playboy, probably a bit of a womanizer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Drinks a lot, smokes a lot, has sex a lot. Is he like, like part of, of the Bond. CIA? He is part of MI6. Oh, it's real. 
I wonder if that's why I've mixed up Mission Impossible and this before. I don't think it ever occurred to me that he was British. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is like a big part of his character. Okay. Whoa, really? Yeah. Like thinking about it now, Pierce Brosnan is British. Daniel Craig's British. Austin Powers is very British. Wow. No, I didn't need, like it did not occur to, occur to me. He is huge there. Skyfall, I think, is still their highest grossing movie of all time. That is the third Daniel Craig movie. The one we're watching is the first. Right. What's the second? Well, Sorry, I keep I keep getting ahead of myself. You just go. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, okay. So, in 1961, Albert Broccoli and the Broccoli family in general... You're smiling, probably because <laughs> you think the name Broccoli is silly. Is that... Am, no. I, re- am I reading that right? <laughs> no. I don't think it's silly. Albert Broccoli and Harry Saltzman. <laughs> That's funny. Are you laughing now because of the mixture of broccoli and salt? <laughs> yes. Okay, just food, very food-based names. <laughs> but like, sorry, but like foods that go together. Yeah, yeah, okay, sure. Okay, anyway. All right, they founded Eon Productions and they purchased the rights to the novels from Fleming. So the Broccoli family, including Barbara Broccoli, I think is his daughter. I'll be honest. I didn't do a ton of research into this. Okay. I'm going a lot of just knowledge I already know. But they're like the, that's the family who owns the rights to the James Bond franchise. Okay. And they're like intimately tied with like the behind the scenes and like they're like, they're, they're the producers of the franchise. Okay. Do you know the first James Bond movie in 1962? No. Dr. No. So he was the first Bond. Yes. In, in what year? 1962. He was the first, I will say this, he was the first cinematic Bond within the films that are produced and released from the Broccoli family. Okay. So Sean Connery starred in five films from 60 to 67. He might be the most iconic of the Bonds, right? Like you think of James Bond, it's like Sean Connery, despite who you might be attached to, like who the current Bond is. Right. Right? Yeah. His movies are the ones that you really defined like the character phrases the catchphrases like a lot of the things you associate in the 60s with james bond is comes from the connery movies i think i told you this with the mission impossible podcast that i got really into spy stuff when i was like 10 specifically one summer where i was really into mission impossible and james bond and that one of my friends foolishly told me he had seen all the james bond movies and i had a little paper with all of their all of the covers <laughs> And I was like, what happened in this one? What happened in this one? I found out later that he just was like making stuff up. Oh so that because he was like kind of tired of me asking. Anyway, that summer, I also, we also had a blockbuster and I rented all of the James Bond movies that summer. And I still remember each James Bond movie and the year it came out and who was in them. I have it just locked in there. It's never leaving. It's never going anywhere. Oh my gosh. That is wild. Okay. I'm going to test you. Okay. I'm going to go through the list of James Bonds. I've got them all. I'm not even looking at anything. Okay. You can attest to this. I'm looking you I right in the eye. I can attest. You're making eye contact. Perfect eye contact <clears throat> with me. That's right. I'll even tell you who's in them. Like which Bond is in them. Okay. Okay. Dr. No. Dr. No is 1962. Should I go out of order to make it a little trickier? Yeah. Yeah. If you, yeah, if, okay. if you think that'll trip me up, it won't. The Man with the Golden Gun. The Man with the Golden Gun is 1974. Which is weird because normally they were released every other year. And that one was released the year after Live and Let Die is 73. Uh But there's still a three-year gap between The Man with the Golden Gun and The Spy Who Loved Me. So on average, it still is every other year. Kind of weird. Yeah, you're right. All right, keep going. That's impressive. Well, who was the James Bond? Oh, it's Roger Moore. 
how about Her Majesty's Secret Service? You mean on Her Majesty's Secret Service. That's 1969. <laughs> weird one-off Bond, George Lazenby. Oh, weird. How about Goldfinger? Goldfinger's 1964. Who's James Bond? It's Who our is bo- it? It's our boy. Who? It's Connery. He stumbled. No. Those first, the first four <laughs> Bonds were released like one a year. Holy shit. All right. This one, Octopussy. Octopussy. <laughs> What's funny about that? Why are you laughing at that? That's 1983. That's Roger Moore. <laughs> Why is that a name? Can you believe that? Like, who did that get passed? That was a major release. No. I, uh, no. I was looking at Bond posters to throw to give like a vibe for you, and I definitely uh-huh. had to pick Octopussy. It's probably my least favorite Bond, the one I remember the least. Cause I oh, think have it, you seen all of them? I've seen them all. Okay. And it was, I, the Moore ones kind of run together, but that this one was definitely pretty bland. But can you imagine, like, a it was a Bond movie. It's a major release. A major release in 1983 was called Octopus. <laughs> it's wild. Okay, this is interesting. Never Say Never Again. Never Say Never Again is kind of interesting because that was also 1983. Uh-huh. But it's Connery returning to the role after 12 years. Yeah, he's the, looking older. Yes. The weird thing about that is Thunderball, the rights to the book Thunderball. Which was? which was a film in 1965, mm-hmm. the fourth Connery mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. was there's like these weird rights issues where it's like basically another person owned the rights to the book Thunderball and they were allowed to remake that even though it was out of canon from the all these other Bond movies. Oh, interesting. So in 1983, it was this weird thing where there was a Connery Bond movie that's non-canonical going up against a Roger Moore canonical Bond movie. Oh. And they renamed it Never Say Never Again. Which I think is kind of like a winky thing of, because Connery was back. How about License to Kill? License to Kill, 1989, Timothy Dalton. I do have a, I know about this one. I mean, I don't know about this one, but in Grey's Anatomy. How much do you know about Grey's Anatomy? Um, I know Grey is a person. Do you know her first name? Um, No, but it's it's Pom- Ellen Pompeo. Yeah. So in season five, right. one of the doctors gets hit by a bus and okay. dragged. And he he like ends up dying. George O'Malley and they can't they take him into Seattle Grace Hospital and they take him into the hospital and he's completely unrecognizable his friends are basically like trying to help him trying to figure out who he is he like killed someone on accident he didn't like kill someone on accident when he was an intern but they someone like died when he was doing surgery so they started calling him 007 so when he's like in the hospital bed they're trying to figure out who he is He's like writing with his finger on Meredith Gray's palm and he's writing 007 so that they know it's George O'Malley. It takes them forever until they realize. Anyway, they call him 007 because he's, that's they gave him a license to kill. That was a long way around that. Should I go home? Uh, why did I not know that you like know a lot about Grey's Anatomy? <laughs> Here's why that I watched it for six seasons. Here's why that's confusing. I just feel like people who know a lot about Grey's Anatomy, that's something you learn pretty soon about them. Oh. Because they're kind of like, I love Grey's Anatomy. No, I got into Grey's Anatomy when I had mono in high school. Oh. And I just watched it all the time. I stopped watching it after season six. It's still going, I think. Mm -hmm, It is. Yeah. Oh, Tomorrow Never Dies. I've seen that. You have? I've seen that one. You have seen that one? Yeah. That's with Michelle Yao, who's in Shang-Chi. That's his aunt. Oh. And, um, oh gosh, she was in Lois and Lo- Clark and Lois, the TV show. Terry Hatcher is also oh, in that Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
I think I saw this in theaters because I was playing at a friend's house and I had to go because we were going to see a movie and it was I I if I if my memory serves me correctly it's this one weird um have I proven my credentials you have all right yeah so Casino Royale is the first Daniel Craig one correct 2006 wow I didn't know it was, I didn't know he's been the Bond since 2006 15 years whoa well let me okay let me give you a little bit of a history and you'll kind of like put okay. this into some context okay so you got Sean Connery starring in five films from 62 to 67 okay okay and that's what he does Dr. No from Russia with Love Goldfinger Thunderball he flies around like a jetpack in that one whoa and then you only live twice which is the one that I think is parodied probably the most of the Connery ones that's where you introduced Ernest Stavro Blofeld the bald guy with the cat Dr. Evil's parody right okay and it's like in a volcano lair. Okay, so it's you know? just kind of silly. Yes, they get very silly. Yes, that's where like Goldfinger was an iconic villain, right? Uh-huh. Odd Job, the short Asian man that has the hat that he throws and it cuts off like a statue set. That's from mm-hmm. like those Connery films. Uh-huh. Um, they're, the, they make fun of him and Austin Powers. It's Random Task. <laughs> and he throws his shoe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He left because I think they kind of lowballed him on money. And they had the first transition the first time they hired a new Bond actor was for 1969's On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Okay. And that was George Lazenby, who was a model that they found. There's documentaries about like the whole Bond franchise, which are really interesting. But his whole thing was like, he was in one Bond film, then was kind of quit, but also fired. I think he just kind of lived lived wild <laughs> off of like being Bond, you know? He didn't come back for another one. <laughs> and they invited Connery to come back again. For a seventh one. Wow. Which was Diamonds Are Forever. <gasps> Diamonds Are Forever. Yes, that yes. Yeah. Depending on like kind of what you're looking for in a Bond film, most people like say the first three to four Connery ones are like, the best ones. Mm. I think they're very iconic. I wouldn't say they're necessarily very watchable. <laughs> uh, they're fun for like the time, right? But sure. I might be like blasphemy to some Bond fans to say stuff like that. Okay, so then Connery's out. Because he always complained about not being paid. He was doing an interview with Johnny Carson where Carson was like, who is the best Bond villain? And he said, like, Albert Broccoli was his joke back. <laughs> Hilarious. Well, you're going to love this even more just because you, you really you really latch on to, like, names, too. You, like, loved Bill Finger. You, like, couldn't get over that. <laughs> Albert's nickname is Cubby, so it's Cubby Broccoli. Oh, that one's fine. <laughs> okay. Cu- I mean, that, those aren't funny because they don't, like, go together. They are weird. can never predict what's going to set you <laughs> off. Okay. So then they hired Roger Moore. And Roger Moore starred in six films from 73 to 85. So at the time, he was the longest serving, if you will, James Bond. And his movies are very much known for, like, getting very campy. And that's where you have, like, kind of like a sillier Bond, right? Mm. You also have, like, some, like, staples of the Bond franchise throughout these movies, right? Like, you have... There's usually a cold open where like there's like a mission. Mm-hmm. Then we'll do like the gun barrel thing, you know, where yeah. he's walking and shoots the gun barrel. Yeah. And then there's like the theme song, mm-hmm. Bond villains, Bond girls. And his are like very silly. He has like Q is like the person who is his. Oh, yeah. Yeah, his weapons guy. Yeah. M, who is the leader of yeah. MI6 guy that's like, all right, go on these missions. And there's like M secretary who is Money Penny, who always has like a, <laughs> she's always just so, so thirsty for him and. He's just, she's just like, oh, Mr. Bond, when are we just going to finally f- Basically, it's like how she always is. He's like, oh, money, Penny. You know? Oh, money, Penny. Yeah. So, like, there's all these. Anyway, if someone was, like, interested in, like, looking through these, 
I would like suggest doing like Goldfinger for Connery, On Her Majesty's Secret Service for Lazenby. It's the only one, but it's actually a pretty good movie. And uh, Roger Moore, I would say, The Spy Who Loved Me is like probably undisputedly his best one. He also did Octopussy, so. Because that's an, oh, that's another thing is that a lot of these like corny or Bond movies, they make fun of this in Austin Powers where he meets a girl who says her name is. This is my Italian confidential secretary. Her name is Alata. Alata Vagina. Come again. Alata Vagina. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm just not getting it. It sounded like you said your name was a lot of, uh... Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Which, because there is a girl in Goldfinger... My name is Pussy Galore. I must be dreaming. <laughs> it's insane stuff, right? Yeah. Okay. Christopher Walken was a Bond villain. Oh. During the Moore days. So was Christopher Lee. Saruman. Oh. There's like a community of Bond girls, I guess, for better or for worse, right? <laughs> I like the idea of that. I remember watching a documentary about being a Bond girl, like mm. about the Bond girls. It's kind of like being a Playboy bunny. Yeah. Yeah. Very similar. Because it's Except also I'd like... I'd say more sophisticated. But just barely. <laughs> you know? It's... Yeah. I mean, these movies are like quite problematic the further you go back. Okay. Anyway, so Moore retired after eight, after 1985. He was 58 in his last Bond movie. Wow. So then they cast Timothy Dalton for okay. two movies in the late 80s. They never really brought him back. There was like a pretty long gap between the last Dalton movie in 89 and 95, which was in Brosnan. So then you had, I, did, I had no idea this was going on in my lifetime. Oh, I mean, for a while, it was like every other year there was a Bond movie. Wow. Mm-hmm. And in fact, only Craig's tenure as Bond has been like, Gap City. He's just had so many like long periods of time between films. Otherwise, it was they were like pumping him out. Because the last one was... 2015. Spectre. Yeah. And that's why like you'd have such varying quality because they were just kind of like... They're pretty one-off. In fact, the Craig movies are the only ones that kind of have like long-form storytelling. And even then, it's pretty... They're not super connected. Well, some of them are. And even some ways where it's like, is this the same character? Is it different actors playing the same character? Because you'd have actors that would play M and Q carry over between different bonds oh weird it's but also, it like doesn't matter yes that is a thing that now people latch onto that continuity stuff in a way that like they try to make sense out of it because there's also like a theory of like is james bond a code there's like a fan theory james bond is a code name theoretically sean connery's bond was just killed at some point so then they gave I the like name that. it's like kind of fun there's like some holes in it it's also like thing where you're just you're overthinking it yeah, like, it's just a fun He's James like, Bond. Franchise. He's on like a, a mission now. Yeah. They usually come out, I feel like in like the summer or like November. It's usually like November. I don't know if I'm associated. I know a lot of them come out in November, but I also know that in November, like TNT or something like runs their James Bond all month. Do you remember Whoa. these? Vaguely, yeah. I remember on TV, there's always like the month of James Bond. And uh-huh. you, and like some of these Moore and Connery ones, they look so like aesthetically similar that you're one would just be on and you'd be like, ah, this could be any one of them. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Brosnan, who is like, I guess my Bond, he did four movies. He has one good one. GoldenEye is genuinely great. His next three movies were, I think, I think his movies decrease in quality. Ending with Die Another Day, which is just, let me like, I think everyone is <laughs> in agreement. It's just dog shit. <laughs> Although I saw that in theaters over the Thanksgiving weekend with my brother out of what the blue, year? he 2002. 
Okay. He was just like, do you want to go see this new Bond movie? And I was like, yeah. And I love, I, in theaters, I loved it. I was 13. Yeah. I was like, this was great. Halle Berry, he has like an invisible car. She he- like gets out of the water, walks out of the water. You know about that? Yeah. I told you I've seen Die Another Day. People were really, they're really critical, rightly so, of Die Another Day. Do you know who does the theme song for that? Oh, you've told me before, but I don't remember. Madonna? Madonna, yeah. And it's like very... It's very like yeah. techno-y and like... And you used to listen to it a lot? No, no. Not, not intentionally. Uh, uh, my dance team... I had a... Oh, yeah. I didn't want to take PE... I didn't want to take PE or gym or anything my senior year. Because like my senior year, I was like, I don't take any science or math or PE or anything. But I did have one more like phys ed credit. So I took this dance class. And like that was like our tango song maybe. And we also like had to like... I just feel like we had to stretch to it a lot. We just, I listened to Die Another Day so much. And with every listening, I'm like, you know, this song just sucks. Wow. Because I told you, some some Bond songs are great. Some real, some really suck. The Bond franchise is very reactionary. Like they are just chasing what's hot. They're like trying to get the hottest artist to do their theme song, right? It's a lot of product placement. You'll notice a lot of like... Rolex. The, yes, the watches, the cars, like the suits that he's wearing. But also I even think like thematically, like Moonraker is a Roger Moore one for 1979. And you know what they do in Moonraker? They go to space because you know what just came out was Star Wars. <laughs> and you know what I mean? They're like, we got to go to space now. Yeah. Like they just kind of keep doing this. License to Kill is one of the Dalton ones. And it's weirder because it's very like violent and it's set in Miami and it very much feels like 80s like Miami Vice stuff and I think they're like I guess smartly incorporate things that are very hot yes but they're always they always feel like a couple years just after because they're taking what's hot when they're writing it oh sure so even like Casino Royale which is you know Pierce Brosnan was also getting a little old I guess for the role these people not just to be clear these people aren't old in their 40s but like Right. Yeah, they're like, we are going to retire you now. Die Another Day was really cheesy, so they're going to like reboot it. They want to reboot it. Grim, gritty reboot, okay? And they're definitely cribbing from like how the Bourne movies revitalized oh, what action was. Sure. And Batman Begins is like name dropped from the writers. Batman Begins revitalized and like reinvented Batman. And we want to do that for Bond. So when you're going into this, know that there's like basically 40 plus years at this point baggage of who james bond is and that this movie casino royale is like reinventing that normally he's like cool suave sophisticated and like daniel craig is kind of like a bruiser and there was a lot of blowback when he was first cast because people were like this is not our james bond (laughs) daniel craig is not james is not bond.com is like still an active (laughs) website and Daniel Craig is blonde, so people were so pissed oh, wow. that he was blonde. And apparently there was something else with, like, when they brought him out and announced him and everything, they brought him out on, like, a jet ski at, like, this event. <laughs> but, like, for safety reasons, they had to, like, put a life vest on him. So he's, like, and it's kind of, it is funny. He's, like, in a tux being Bond, but he's wearing a life vest. Oh, <laughs> but man. people were, like, are you kidding? This is our Bond? Oh, gosh. Like, I know. It, it, like, truly is one of the dumbest things. In general, for people to get mad about casting like this, I personally think he is one of the best Bonds. Not only because of like his ability to act, but like he's his given muscles. He's very buff. He's very he's very strong. <laughs> he could like just kick the shit out of every other James Bond who's ever. He could just like, pick you up like you were well, a feather. It's like Pierce Brosnan is very attractive, but he he's a dad. Yes. Anyway, he's a very different kind of Bond. I think to great effect. 
And I think they do a lot in this movie that you will be watching of trying to humanize him in a way, maybe not humanize him, but make him like an actual interesting, compelling figure rather than a pretty two-dimensional drinking his martinis, he's doing his quips and he's betting these women. And that's kind of all Bond was emotionally or like intellectually. Mm -hmm. Since it's a reboot, this is like, he's a young James Bond. This is like, he's essentially just become a double O. And Casino Royale was Fleming's first book that he wrote. So like, this is like the first story, but through some rights issues, never really had the rights to Casino Royale. But they always wanted to do that. Anyway, they ended up getting the rights prior to this movie. So they're like, let's reboot it and do like Casino Royale. And for the most part, the movie is very faithful to the story of the book. I'll tell you all about that after we watch it. But if I'm showing these to you for any reason, first is James Bond is one of the most iconic literary and film characters that exists. Mm Mm-hmm. Two, this is a very important action film of the 2000s and a reinvention and modernization of that character. And then the third one is that Daniel Craig will soon be retiring. This is his last Bond film. Oh, do you know who they're going to cast next? No, there's always like, they're always like spitting out okay, names so and like the rumor mills going. I want to hear who. Because the other weird thing is because of all these delays, Craig is now by default the longest serving, <laughs> serving, longest as if it's like. Longest serving, <laughs> longest serving Bond. Yeah. He's the longest running Bond there's ever been. He's been it for 15 years. So I think early, in the early 2000s, there was the names that were thrown around. That's always And just like how Bond is very reflective of like what's hot, you can also, also see like who is in the, in the zeitgeist at the time. I remember whisperings of like Idris Elba at one point. Yes, okay. He is, he's one that's always been branched about. For, Too old now. He is. At the time he wasn't, but now, now it's like, and yeah. then he has even been like, I know people always are saying like Idris Elba yeah. for Bond. Would have been great. He would have. I remember a lot of people talking about Tom Hiddleston right around the time of Thor and the Avengers. People were okay. like, they want that Hiddleston. That would be a good Bond. The yeah. look. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It'd be, int- it'd be interesting because it's, it's curious, like, what, where do you go after Craig now? Do you go back yeah. to, like, suave debonair Bond? Like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. So, like, people, I remember Hiddleston was thrown around a lot. Tom Hardy gets thrown around a lot, too, and even now. I like Tom Hardy. He's a bruiser even more than Well, but I, I, think of, I think of him in, like, Inception, like that version of okay. Tom Hardy. But, like, do you think that guy... He is such like an actor's actor. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he thinks there's anything interesting to do with Bond as a character. Just think of like the stuff that yeah, he has done. Like, kind of likes doing weird shit more. I think he's just like, I have no interest in doing. Okay, who else? Um, Hugh Jackman, I think, was courted. I think he was actually courted around the time they were picking Craig and turned it down. Oh, And that was like during reason? his X-Men years. I think so. Because it is. It's like, it's a great paycheck, right? And you're Bond. He's not British. That's true, he's Australian. But they're under the crown, right? Because huh? that's also a thing, too, because Brosnan was Irish. Oh, and Sean Connery's not British. He's no. Sco- Scottish. But they are within the kingdom. Yeah. So recently, Riz Ahmed has been brought up. The Is he the guy in Santa Metal? Mm-hmm. Ooh. That'd be interesting. That'd be fun. So, I don't know, that's a good one. He's I, very good looking. I always like had my long-standing thing of what they should do when Craig is done, but I think he's too old now. I like that they've modernized Bond with Craig, and it's interesting. I think, though, I missed the phys- like I missed the technological limitations of like the spy stuff in the sixties and seventies and Cold oh, War stuff. Yeah, I want to do a series of Bond films set in the sixties with Michael Fassbender. Oh, yeah. Who I think looks and acts and like evokes a lot of what like Fleming originally imagined for the character. Guy, I think I probably was influenced a lot by X Men: First Class, which is set in the sixties, and seeing him and like look at him in those coats and that turtleneck. That is like the smooth, slick, 
Spy Games, 60s Bond. Yeah. I would love... I think he's too old now. You know? You have, like, a thing for Michael Fassbender. It's because of him in those X-Men movies where I'm just like, he is amazing. Mm-hmm. He's also amazing as the British soldier in Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Who, who would you pick? I mean, you haven't... You're kind of new to the table, but they got to be at least tangentially British. I'm going to have to look up British actors, but I don't... I, I do want to say what I what I would want. Maybe think about that and we'll, we'll come back to that. That's basically what I have for you. And I think people were aware they were going into a different Bond movie than what was expected. Okay, so I should not picture Sean Connery Bond. Well, I think it's good context to know because much like how Batman Begins, so much of the context of Batman Begins is what is it responding to? Which was the George Clooney, Schwarzenegger, Batman Forever, like campy, this is ridiculous so then walking right into like a very, Nolan takes those movies so seriously. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's very realistic and grounded. Yeah. So similarly, this was responding to Bond going off the rails in Die Another Day. Do you have any questions for me? I don't. Okay. I'm going to come up with who I think would be, so in the next movie, who I would want to be Bond and who I would want to be a Bond girl and who I would want to sing. Maybe the song. If, maybe if you can too, this might be a lot. Think of who you'd want to be a Bond villain. <gasps> okay. Bond movies, they're only really as good as the Bond villain. I'm going to cast my own Bond movie. I love I love. That I want idea. you to do that too. Okay. All right. Well, the year is 2006. Mm. George W. Bush is president. Uh, Tony Blair is probably the prime minister. Oh. I guess that's probably. Weird. Well, I don't know. Michael Sheen. I don't think he looks that much like Tony Blair. He really doesn't. <laughs> But he's a good... I like him in everything he's in. Hmm. This movie came out in November. So what is the top song the, on the charts? Oh, man. 2006, I always go to Gwen Stefani. No. I'll give you a hint that I was kind of... I was very surprised that not only was this like the charting song for like a month and a half, I think it's a rather shitty song. It's not pop. Is it Before He Cheats, Carrie Underwood? No. What genre? If I'm remembering this right, kind of like gravelly emo a bit. Title of the song. When I saw it, I immediately thought of the Sarah McLaughlin song that's used in all the dog videos. Arms of an angel. Arm, arm, arms of, is it arms of something? No, but you're kind of going in the right direction. Hips don't lie? No. Hands? Different body part, same thing. What? I don't know what that means. Band name is another word for halt. Stop? Hinder. Oh, oh, uh-huh, yeah. Lips of an angel. Lips of an angel. For like six weeks. It was on, That was on the tip of my tongue. Well. It was. I even thought of lips. All right, I didn't get to think of, I didn't get to really grab a lot of good 2006 stuff. I apologize. It's okay. We, we spent a lot of time on the song. A couple things, though. Dick Cheney shot his friend in the face this year. What? Do you remember that? No. I've Do, never heard that in my life. He was hunting. He shot his friend in the face. Does that happen in Vice? It does. I also remember that happening. I remember that being a thing. Wow, I don't remember that. How did he shoot his friend in the face? On accident. In the face? I think so. Wow. Okay. Twitter launched this year. Oh. Although, did you know that when it was first launched, it was just spelled like T-W-T-T-R, Twitter. Oh. I was looking up things that were big, like hot items for that Christmas, and then Nintendo Wii. Oh, I had a Wii. 
I didn't. I mean, we're, we weren't a big Nintendo family after the 64. I'm sorry. Anyway. I didn't have a Wii. I had a GameCube. Okay. Very different. Yeah. But the Wii was really big. I mean, like, people were doing all that shit of like, oh, Wii Sports. And like, look how fit I'm getting because I'm moving my arm. So <laughs> yeah. dumb. Tickle Me Elmo was still on that list. Tickle Me Elmo's always on the list. That's, well, are you, that's insane to me. Yeah, it's the Teddy Ruxpin of... It's a contemporary Teddy Ruxpin. No, nothing is. <laughs> uh, in that it's like possessed by the devil. <laughs> um, I can't think of many other 2006 things other than I was I was entering my senior year of high school. I was a senior. I was a ninth grader. I was very excited for it. Well, I'm excited to watch it. Are you more interested now knowing all, some of that Bond stuff? Yeah, yeah, I am. Okay. I'll be curious to know after we watch it if... I like gauging whether you would watch more of those movies. I feel like that's a good gauge of how much you actually enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Do you know what his like preferred drink is, by the way? That's like another Oh, a Manhattan. Fam- <laughs> no. It's an old-fashioned. Oh, what else? It's a Jack and Coke. What else? It's a bartender squeeze. If they don't have that, what are you ordering? What am I ordering or what is he ordering? What's the next thing? Stop stalling. What's the next thing? <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's an upside down on the rocks. All right, what else? It's a it's an orange peel it's an orange peel salad. What else? It's in one of those big cups. It's like a red wine. It's like a cabriolet. Okay. Yeah. What else are you ordering? I would order some whiskey. Okay. What else? Straight up. Uh, we're back to like square one now. You, no, <laughs> keep building. Well, okay, what else would he order? So, weirdly enough, they're out of all of those things. So oh. What, what else is he ordering? Oh, a martini. Okay. What else? <laughs> he would order just, uh, I think just like a doorknob, doorknob, cram- cranberry doorknob. Okay. Oh my gosh, we're out of that too. Uh, is there anything else that you'd want? Uh, maybe like a, like a nose spring. Again. Is there anything, do you have anything that has just like whiskey and has some uh, salamander at the bottom? Like oh, some, uh, yeah. What on are the, the rocks? What are those called? Those are called straight off straight off the edge. Oh, um, I don't think so. Is there anything else that could be called? It could be called around the world. What else? This is kind of miserable. I don't know. Right, it's really fun for me. Yeah, I'm not very good at improv. No, this is how you do it, though. Oh, you just start. I'm basing this entirely off of outtakes from Community, where I watch Donald Glover just do this over and over. And I'm like, that's probably how you would learn how to do this. <laughs> well, what is his drink of choice? Tell me if you recognize this line. A vodka martini, shaken. Not stirred. That's it. Do you know how I recognize that? How? Santa Claus. What does he say? She brings him the hot cocoa, and he says, what do you do to this? And she said, hot cocoa, shaken, not stirred. Yeah, it's a really it, it's one of the more famous lines. Okay. Can I, do you, can I also tell you these movies have a lot of sex puns? Octopussy gave it away, I think. In The World is Not Enough, the third Pierce Brosnan movie, there is an, a scientist, I think she's like a chemical scientist, played by Denise Richards. <laughs> okay. And her name is Christmas Jones. Okay. And I'm pretty sure she was just named that. So at the end of the movie, they could have a joke that says, Always wanted to have Christmas in Turkey. So isn't it time you unwrapped your present? I thought Christmas only comes once a year. (laughs) Oh, jeez. You're going to have to put a disclaimer on this before that's like explicit. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Do you think I'll like this movie? I don't know. I think so. I think you might. I will say... It's a little confusing, maybe a little convoluted. Oh boy! Um, so if so you, I'm s- too dumb for it. Yeah, I mean, it's just oh, oh, oh girls, like, what spies? <laughs> I don't understand espionage. <laughs> so I'm saying, if you find yourself at any point being like, I don't really know where this is going or why an individual is important. It, I remember it felt a lot like watching Tenet. Okay. In that you're like, 
Oh boy. As long as you like know like the main thrust, like he seems to know where he's going. So I understand that something is moving forward. But if you don't know like every little detail or like they drop a name and you're like, am I supposed to know who that is? I'll ask. Well, that's also fine if you don't. Okay. A big portion of the film is set around a poker game. And you know about this about me. I know nothing about poker. (laughs) So if you find yourself being like, oh, they're all reacting to this hand in a positive or negative way, I would just pick up context clues of people in the film rather than like trying to figure out what like, why don't I know this? Yes. A co-worker was like regularly doing these poker games, kind of like after hours, just waiting to meet everyone. I genuinely like everyone involved that was going to these poker games. I That's not my scene, but I still felt obligated to go sometimes. And I was really bad and very not invested in stuff. And I think they could tell and maybe were not really charmed that I was even there, but like not giving a shit sort <laughs> right. of. One time that really drew like a contrast of like, oh, I'm a child and these people are adults <laughs> is... Uh, the guy hosting it, his fridge was making like a noise. It was like, burr, burr, burr. And someone's like, oh, your fridge is like making a noise there. And I said, it sounds like the Death Star when the Death Star is like about to blow up and it's like having difficulties. I was like, it sounds like the Death Star. The guy just looks at me for a second and he's like, Star Wars? Yeah. He's like, ah. And then he goes back to his cards. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> you that was so good. Like, you don't have to invite me anymore. <laughs> Oh man. Okay then. <laughs> Look, All en- right. en- enough we'll of this enough of this bullshitting, Courtney. Can yeah. we just get let's go watch let's the movie? Let's get to it. Okay. All right, see you. Watch you later. All right, we're back. We are. We're trying a little bit of an experiment right now. <laughs> we uh our basement is finished this week. We have a tiny little room under our stairs. And we thought it would be a good idea to podcast in here, see if the sound's a little better. It's yes. a very small space. It is a very small space, so it should have good acoustics for a podcast, but it's not... It's not comfortable. No. And we're not really looking at each other. <laughs> the vibes are off. <laughs> they really are. But maybe it'll make for like a very subdued, like conversational kind of like it's... For um, sure, for like sure. NPR. For sure. Yeah. So, Courtney, what movie did we just watch? Casino Royale. What happened in the movie? Oh my gosh, so many things. I was actually going to say that. This movie, it's actually pretty easy for me to follow it now that I've seen it so many times. But there are even elements, even on this rewatch, where I was like, for instance, I couldn't quite remember how she was connected to Mathis. I knew what was, like, I know the broad strokes of the story, but like the way that they're connected and the way they move together are still kind of confusing to me, even having seen it so many times. Yeah, I definitely had to ask some questions. Well, how confusing was it for you? Uh, it was pretty confusing. I I lost track of like all the money, like different places and who was in charge of what and that kind of thing. So, I had to ask some questions. Well, I talked about this at length with Chris Hodgson, who never listens to this podcast. But I really like the movie. I do want to ask what you think about it. But it's confusingly structured in a way where on the first watch, you're like, I don't really know where this is going did mm-hmm. you feel like that yeah it feels kind of like you're watching a condensed miniseries which i guess makes sense because it's pretty faithful in large part to the novel but it feels like you're watching three different movies yeah the first hour is like all spy stuff like him going around blowing up embassies boom 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 yeah then the second middle bit is like poker the, yes all poker and then the last bit turns into a little bit of like the notebook slash a finale yeah 
But the pacing is very weird in that you feel when they really get move into the love portion, I guess, to really nail home like he's quitting and he's with her now. Mm-hmm. Did that just feel like, well, I have no idea. Yes. Like, should this movie be done? Like, where are we? What is this? Where's this going? I, I remember feeling like that the whole time. Yeah. Even when you're like, when he's in Miami and he's playing that initial poker game. And I now I know it's like, oh, he, they're establishing that he's very good at poker. Yeah. And it's the inciting incident that will make Le Chief want to put together the Casino Royale game. But it takes an hour to get there. It takes an hour to meet Eva Green's character. Which, frankly, I if that's act one, I didn't like it. Really? Yeah. After So we watched this in two parts. I don't know if that's giving away our secrets. But stop, we watched... Stop telling people. <laughs> and honestly, tonight I was like, okay, I'm excited to see if I like this more. Because I didn't enjoy the first hour of it why was that i think because the action was so big with the plane thing and the other action at the very beginning when he's in nigeria and then i really enjoyed the poker Mm -hmm. and then the finale was fine so i'd say my favorite parts were second act third act first act i do like both of those sequences although it does kind of feel like you don't really know where exactly the plot is headed and i guess that maybe i don't know he's still sleuthing it out so he's trying to figure out like what the plot is himself you know Mm-hmm. by like poking around the uganda action sequence i think is actually really good action it's like a really funny um artifact of the time because that was like the first time i'd seen parkour <laughs> and like you know like how i told you how the bond movies are just reflecting what was popular at the time yeah of course they would like work in a parkour stunt piece <laughs> but i what i like about it is it reveals a lot of character about this bond who i told you before is a very different kind of bond Whereas all other Bonds would get themselves in pickles, but they always kind of had like a like a quip, you know? Yeah. And Daniel Craig's Bond, he's like, he gets the shit kicked out of him a lot. Mm-hmm. And he's also, he messes up a lot. And he puts himself into situations that are like very physical and gruff. And you're not really sure if he's going to get out of it. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of like choices that he makes in chasing down that guy. Like there's a part where he, the guy like leaps through like a little window and he just bursts through the wall instead. <laughs> where it's like, hey, this Bond is very practical. And he's like, no nonsense. And he's not afraid to get his hands dirty. I guess the other part I like about it is like they scale so high up and that's all practical. Did you know that? I was wondering that. That was one of my questions actually was like, how much of this does Daniel Craig do? I, he is doing a lot of it. I noticed that where like it's him getting like, like rolling that- around and running around. Yeah. Um. Obviously, like the more dangerous stunts, he'll probably have like a stuntman doing it. But allegedly the movie has almost no CGI except to erase wires for stuntmen. And to blend the Venetian building that's collapsing. That was like a model that was breaking down and they like use CGI to mix that in with the city. Otherwise, everything's done in camera. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. It looked great. It does. It does. It looks really good. I never, I don't think I really appreciated that until this rewatch as much. Um, And then I, I do like the airport scene is like pretty good. I just like the big, the little switcheroo where he ends up. Attaching the guy's the bomb to the guy's jacket. Yeah, really. Yep. I, I like that. That is the payoff in that whole scene. Yeah, but the the highlight to you is everything at the Casino Royale. Yes, I loved that. Well, that's interesting because I think basically everything up until they he's on his way to the casino is all original to the movie. But then once he hits the casino and on, that's until the finale. It's actually very faithful to the plot of the story. Oh, that's interesting. There's nothing really cinematic about watching a poker game. You know? Yeah. I was very impressed with how compelling they make the stakes of the game and how me, who knows nothing about poker, is able to kind of follow like an arc of he's up, then he's down, and he's up, then he's down, but not in a way that just feels like yo-yoing. Yeah. And they also have skillfully like put these little action interludes 
throughout. Yeah. The attack with the Nigerians in the hallway mm-hmm. and then him getting poisoned. So you're not just sitting watching a poker game for the, a middle hour of a movie. So when they're playing poker, did you kind of like, because I don't understand, I don't know anything about cards or poker. Probably because we're not like big game players. I've never really had a desire. I'm no. also not competitive with games. Anyway, but during that, I kind of thought, wait a minute, do I understand poker now? Like that's how kind of, <laughs> even though every time he turned over a card it was kind of like i was wrong i was like oh he won (laughs) but i felt like i could follow it like i kind of understand poker actually there was one line they they said that i do understand now because of like the four poker nights that i went to and it was referring to a blind if they're going to up the blind well what does that mean Explain it to the people who all know more uh, than you. Oh, no. A blind (laughs) is like how much you start with. If you're just going around in the circle, that's just how much you're dropping in. Okay. So what did you think about the movie itself? I liked it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I will say this is a good example of a a prequel, I guess, because this is technically a prequel to the... This is the first one, yes? Yes, it's the first Bond story and the first... It's a reboot, so it's not like this happens before any other movies. Right. But what's good about it is it reminds me a lot of Batman Begins where it is reintroducing familiar elements that you're used to in an interesting way. Some movies, some prequels do that inelegantly, like the Star Wars prequels, where they will shoehorn in Boba Fett as a clone, where it's like, I did not need to see a like a little boy Boba Fett. Right. But this will put in elements of like, oh, that's interesting. Like, that's kind of fun. I can see sort of where that came from, but it doesn't overpower the movie. Like, the one that I like is when he, the guy asks him, he wants, he orders a vodka martini. Uh huh. Vodka martini. Chicken or stirred? Do I look like I give a damn? Anyway, there's just like little things, like little nods to the history, but making it very clear, like, this is very new. And like, how did Bond become so cold? Tarantino originally wanted to make this movie. That would have been weird. Well, he wanted to set it in the 60s and make it with Pierce Brosnan and use a voiceover. I don't think I would. (laughs) Well, I don't think that they were really keen on doing it either, but he had kind of expressed interest. They got Martin Campbell, who had previously done another Bond movie. He did Pierce Brosnan's Goldeneye. Um, Daniel Craig is the first actor to play Bond that is born after the series started. Whoa. They shot the movie in Prague, also the Bahamas, in Italy, and in the UK. They never shot in Nigeria? No. Um, I think all the stuff in was Uganda like was set. was set, was they shot in the Bahamas. What's the definition of a Bond girl? So was Vesper a Bond girl and was the other girl also a Bond girl? Or is it does it only refer to like girls that he and sort of falls in love with? It kind of I think applies to basically anyone who has a I would say, like, a minor to major role in a Bond movie that's a girl. Okay, so we had two Bond girls in this one. Yeah, sometimes there's more than one. You could argue that, like, usually, I feel like one always ends up dying at least in them. I mean, that the first girl that he meets dies is featured very minimal in the movie. But other ones, there's, like, like in Goldeneye, he has Natalia, but then there's also, like, a villain who's a girl, who's Xenia, on a top. Hmm. So, like, sometimes you have more than one that are prominently featured. You kind of just need to be in a Bond movie. Okay. And be one of the main characters. I just need uh, Thank you for clearing that up. What a weird strategy to be like, we can get that money back if I just play him in a game of poker. That could go so... I mean, it does go south so fast. Where you're just like, why would you... Why would that be the first strategy that you're like, this? no, this will work? I agree with you, because Vesper even kind of says that in the movie. Mm-hmm. She was like... So you're telling me it's a matter of probability and odds? I was worried there was some chance involved. Well, any of you have seen the play with the best hand wins. So that will be what you call bluffing. 
You've heard the term. Then you'll also know that in poker you never play your hand. You play the man across from you. And you're good at reading people. Yes, I am. Which is why I've been able to detect an undercurrent of sarcasm in your voice. You know, short money isn't good hands. You don't think this is a very good plan, do you? So there is a plan. I got the impression we were risking millions of dollars and hundreds of lives on a game of luck. I suppose you've given some thought to the notion that if you lose, our government will have directly financed terrorism. Um, I think it's more that they were just taking advantage of the opportunity because Lashif was already setting up the game. And they were like, we want Lashif to feel desperate enough to come to us. If we stop him from doing this, we'll be there and intercept him. And then be able to take him in. Right. But it's like, that is such a weird thing to bank on. Okay, his haircut. Wow. What, just kind of like the little like spikiness of it? And it like... was just like not done ever. It was just like, that's just the style of like 2006. Like a it's little just like, messy. Just give me a haircut and don't do anything else. Um. Also a lot of the clothes. I mean, like I just oh, kind of yeah. noticed too, like very, he was just like, his suits were a little bit like loose fitting. When he was at the game, he looked great. And a tux. Yeah, I guess tux are kind of like ageless a little well, bit. Well, and it was like way. fitted. Yeah. It's funny even to think that like, I always think of later on in the other movies. I mean, like he gets very fitted because the clothes like update with the mm-hmm. times. He has different jackets that Daniel Craig will wear. So like he'll have a jacket for static shots that's very fitted. Yeah. And then a looser jacket that's the exact same for him to move around in. And be able to like bend yeah. his arms when he's doing like action sequences. The same suits in different sizes, depending <laughs> on if he needs to move in them or just yeah, stand there funny. and look great. That's funny to think about. Something I noticed is that he gives that guy, the poker chief, a $500,000 tip. Yeah, I thought about that too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, can you? I would retire. <laughs> I wonder what how those guys get even well, into it's like, that. Yes, it's like Molly's game. You have to like... I don't know, work your way up. Like, well, they've got to be a genius too. You know what I mean? They've got to be true. so good at that's that game true. to like not. Yeah, they've got to know every little thing. I'm just like, should I start doing? You're that? like, maybe how can I break into this? Should I run games? I had a question for you. Okay. What would you do if I was addicted to online poker? I went there in my mind when we were watching that. That is something I would imagine you are so far from, and I know I am so far from that. Like the idea of gambling just brings me anxiety. I could, I can't do it. I'm really, uh, no. I'm really bad at it. Even when there are no stakes, when I'm playing with chips that mean nothing, I have to remind myself there's actually nothing going I, on. It's so stressful. I don't like. I would never. When we went to Vegas, I don't know, last year sometime, we we played like maybe ten dollars <laughs> slot machine. We're like, all right. I'm do you remember that we had two different work Christmas parties that were both <laughs> that both invited? It was like Monte Carlo night. Yes, I forgot about that. But yeah, in 2019, that was like, I mean, it was fun. Sure. There were basically no stakes, but. Well, there were stakes at yours. And mine, I guess people were winning things and that would like for a raffle. Oh, we really? We could have won a MacBook. It said uh, some guy that no one liked won it, and everyone was pissed. And, and I was then like, they fired was, him two months like, later. <laughs> oh, they did? Yeah. Can we get the MacBook? I was like, why is everyone being kind of weird right now when he won? I was like, no one's really clapping. It's because he won twice. <laughs> he won twice, and then he had to give up his Google Play cards, which he picked the first time. And then he won a freaking MacBook, yeah. and everyone was pissed. Yeah, I saw his butt crack that night. I know. He, we always saw his butt crack. That, that guy, like... Imagine Homer Simpson, like that, that was his avatar on Slack. (laughs) Oh, great. This isn't like your kind of question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. 
What if you were flirting with James Bond? Okay. And then you found out, like, he, of all things, like, he has really bad breath. He is stricken with halitosis. I mean, like, all he does is smoke and drink. That would be such a weird thing, but he has such bad breath. The other thing was, like, the sex scene was disappointing to me. That first sex scene when they finally, he, they're at the hospital and they, like, come out of the rain and you're just like, this is not sexy. I don't care about this. Okay. All right. You, you've actually touched on something that I thought about this movie and I wondered if this rewatch was going to sway me and it kind of did a little bit, but I always have been put off by the love story in the movie. Not even the love story. Uh-huh. How flirting is portrayed in this movie is very juvenile. I'll give some examples. Uh-huh. Like when he's trying to like seduce the girlfriend earlier in the movie they're just kind of making out. Yeah. Like, I know it's a PG-13 movie, but it's like, this yeah. is like, this is what I, when I was 16, was like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah, <laughs> this is nuts. This is nuts. The way they're talking is so, it feels kind of, there's a, just a little bit too much of 14-year-old poetry built in there. Yes, I agree. When she's like, you're not going to let me in there, are you? You've got your armor back on. That's that. I have no armor left. You stripped it from me. That doesn't belong in this movie. To no, me. it's just kind of it's a little off-putting, especially especially because there is other dialogue that's just like fire. Like I love the train scene when they're first introduced. Well, your beauty's a problem. You worry you won't be taken seriously. Which one can say of any attractive woman with half a brain? True, but this one overcompensates by wearing slightly masculine clothing, being more aggressive than her female colleagues, which gives her a somewhat prickly demeanor. And ironically enough, makes it less likely for her to be accepted and promoted by her male superiors, who mistake her insecurities for arrogance. Now, I'd have normally gone with only child, but, um... You see, by the way you ignored the quip about your parents, I'm gonna have to get with Orphan. All right. By the cut of your suit, you went to Oxford or wherever. Naturally, think human beings dressed like that. But you wear it with such disdain. My guess is you didn't come from money, and your school friends never let you forget it. Which means you were at that school by the grace of someone else's charity, hence the chip on your shoulder. And since your first thought about me ran to orphan, that's what I'd say you are. And that makes perfect sense. Since MI6 looks for maladjusted young men, I give little thought to sacrificing others in order to protect queen and country. You know, former SAS types with easy smiles and expensive watches. Rolex. Amiga. Beautiful. Now, having just met you, I wouldn't go as far as calling you a cold-hearted bastard. Yeah, of course not. But it wouldn't be a stretch to imagine. You think of women as disposable pleasures rather than meaningful pursuits. So as charming as you are, Mr. Bond, I will be keeping my eye on our government's money and off your perfectly formed house. You noticed. Even accountants have imagination. How was your lamb? Skewered. One sympathizes. Good evening, Mr. Bond. Good evening, Miss Lind. They have, yes. like, great chemistry. And in those moments, I'm like, I can totally see how this guy would be like, yes. huh, okay, like, I'm very interested in you. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And she's presented as, like, a very competent foil to him. Yeah, and then it misses the mark. 
a yeah, well, it just gets a little with, like with the sexual tension. And I think they're just trying to like speed up so that you get to the ending. So they're trying to like really ramp up. Look, they're very much in love now. You have no idea. They've never been. No one's ever been more in love. <laughs> I think just to like hurry and make put the two and two together before you can like, go into the finale. Yeah, I don't know that this is like a bad thing, but I was thinking about like how little it meant to me that they were saying those things at the end because I know that they don't end up together. I would almost prefer it was like spicier instead of like the love stuff it could just be kind of like more fake do you know what i'm saying because i know that they don't end up together i know he's james bond the times they do try to toe the line is kind of what i would thought would have thought was edgy when i was 14 sure when he's like down to your little fingers like that's because you know what i can do with my little finger well, that's, but like, that's what a 16 year old would be like. Yes. This is so hot what I'm doing right now. I'm like, well, if you heard that, wouldn't you just be like, uh, yes. okay, <laughs> I've actually got to go. <laughs> okay. Well, I have another question too, then. At what point did you know that like something's going to turn with her? Like um, another shoe's going to drop with her clearly because we're still continuing the movie. Yeah. Oh, she's like double crossed him or something's up. I don't know. I wondered throughout. Really? Yeah, but I didn't really, like, pick up on it until it happened. When I first watched it, it was very effectively done to me. I thought she was going to die somehow. Um, until the moment where M is like... Right now, I have a lovely man from the Treasury here, wondering if you're ever going to deposit the winnings. That's a shame. I didn't think they'd miss it. Yes. Well, I tell them not to worry. So you'll be depositing it today? On my way to the bank right now. Yeah. That's when I was like, oh. oh." So actually, I think that was when, I mean, I was 17 when this came out, but I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's definitely when I started to kind of, okay, yeah, she was a bad guy. (laughs) Do you like poker? No. I don't like games, though. We did get into blackjack that one time. Who's we? You and I did. Got into blackjack? Yeah, at my party. My work party. Oh, for a night? Okay. I thought you meant like, oh, like, oh yeah, we, we burned a year. <laughs> Quarantine, that was all we did for three oh, months. We won and lost many fortunes. I could get into blackjack, but that's because it's Hit very me. easy. Hit me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I could last in a poker game. No. And like, here's another thing. I don't understand tells, okay? Kind of the movie does what I, my, my issue with tells, which is like, wouldn't just kind of like fake stuff what what is like a poker face because like a poker, why a poker face no listen is a blank. i know i know what a poker face is so a poker face is just like you're nobody can tell you're bluffing right can't read you why would you ever twitch you would be like hyper aware if you had fa- like millions well, of dollars well the theory is that everyone has a tell no matter how much they have a poker face there is something that happens that instinctively in your face that where you that's can tell crazy i don't know if that's true i don't either it's also when people are like if someone looks to the left when you're talking to them they're lying yeah I'm like or they saw something like there could be so many it, reasons yes and to just like stake all your money on at the second he did that i was like that was a bad move in fact when i was playing with that like poker league <laughs> yeah when you were a poker guy my crew i actually was a very effective poker player because i did not know the rules nor what was a good hand <laughs> so they couldn't read me because what were they reading? Yeah. Nothing. Gibberish. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. It made me actually a really good player and hard to play Maybe against. that's how we win our fortune. I noticed that Daniel Craig looks like a pouty, tired teddy bear. Yes. 
Do you think he's good looking? Yes. All the time? Yes. Every angle? Yes. Okay. I didn't before I saw this movie. Um, I was like, he's fine. He's so good looking in this movie. Can I say, I think his body is the best in this movie, but I think he like looks the best in Skyfall. Oh, okay. Is his hair better? And that might actually be why it is. Yeah. I think he's grown into his face a bit more. His Mm. age knew a bit more in Skyfall. He ages very well. I mean, as all James Bonds, I'm sure do. I mean, like Sean Connery is like the like patron saint of aging aging well. well. Yeah. Pierce Brosnan's aged well. Yeah. Yeah. He looks great. He looks great. Yeah. He's very, in very good shape as people note throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I understand parts of the plot now, thanks to like stuff like the big short and understanding like the world more. (laughs) Like I understand what like shorting a stock is. Oh. And like what the plan even was of like why they, because I was always kind of like, I don't really know why they're trying to blow up that plane until yeah. this viewing. Even oh, I was just kind of that's actually, what actually until right now I didn't understand that. Yeah, well, that's how I watched it for the last fifteen years. Basically, was like I don't really know what I'm like. The characters seem to know why you're moving from scene to scene, so it's right. like I'll just follow them. Yeah, but like I don't really understand like everything that's going on. I'd agree with that. I also really like his relationship with M in this movie. M is a recurring character. It's usually a man. Judy Dench was cast for the Pierce Brosnan movies. Say so her, she say her name right. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Dame Judy Gench. <laughs> Judy Gench? That's not her name either. Um, so she is the M from the Brosnan movies. Oh, okay. Which kind of actually adds fuel to the fire of the fan theory that this is the same. I enjoyed that theory, I will say. You like that one? I do. Um, but they just kind of kept her in this movie because they really like her. Normally, his relationship is very, like, uh, transactional with M. He's just, like, kind of there to deliver plot stuff but like right. i like that there's something like kind of like yeah. they care about each other but they're also like when there's something very like she chastises him yeah when early in the movie because he's just like you're really screwing up this may be too much for a blunt instrument to understand but arrogance and self-awareness seldom go hand in hand so you want me to be half monk half hitman any thug can kill i want you to take your ego out of the equation and to judge the situation dispassionately I have to know I can trust you, and that you know who to trust. And since I don't know that, I need you out of my sight. Go and stick your head in the sand somewhere and think about your future. Because these bastards want your head. And I'm seriously considering feeding you to them. This movie released November 18th, 2006. Um, 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. <gasps> 94 it made $660 million worldwide. It's the highest grossing bond at the time until Skyfall. And there are two between this and Skyfall. There's one in between. So did you like the movie? Yeah, I did. Enough that you would watch other Bond movies? What is your interest yeah. now in the franchise? I will definitely see this next one. Okay. I'd watch Skyfall. Okay. I'd probably watch the good Daniel Crick ones. Well, sadly, you might have to be a little, at least a little clued into one of the bad ones, I think, to get this next one. Oh. I think they're playing a risky game where... So, okay, all right. Casino Royale, two years later, Quantum of Solace, okay? Casino Royale, very good. In my opinion, my favorite Bond film. Quantum of Solace, not good, because that was the one that was made during the writer's strike. Oh. We talked about that before on another yeah. podcast, but Daniel Craig was like, I had to write some dialogue. It's like, and I'm not a writer. <laughs> so that one, like, I don't really hold it against it, but it's just not good. It picks up actually immediately after this film. I mean, they couldn't get anyone else. <laughs> it was a writer's strike. <laughs> I guess they apparently had, like, a halfway, uh, like, bare-bones script, but they didn't have, like, the details filled in, I guess. Okay. But they were like, we got to meet a deadline. There were no scabs. 
Wow. I know. Okay. So anyway, then there's some. There's four years between Quantum of Solace and 08 and Skyfall. And Skyfall, we should rewatch. I, I intend to rewatch all of them before No Time to Die, but that one is... Some people think that's the best one. I think it's probably my second favorite. Okay. There's a few things I like about Casino Royale that just inch it out, but like Skyfall is great. And it looks great. Um, Roger Deakins was a cinematographer. He's like one of the probably the most renowned, famous cinematographers around. And it's a beautiful looking movie. It has a great villain, um, Javier Bardem. Ooh. Oh, man. Fantastic. And my favorite Bond song, which we listened to over the weekend, Skyfall. It's like like a banger of a Bond song. Yeah. A perfect blend of like honoring like the Bond themes of old and like feeling very current and new and like updated. It's just, it's a really great, it's a great movie. It's a really fun time. A little convoluted, but like they are, aren't they all? But like, it's, it's very good. Anyway, huge hit. On the back of that, Sam Mendes directed that, by the way, who directed okay. 1917. Okay. So Sam Mendes came back for Spectre, which is the fourth film. And like, I don't know, I, I don't know what happened. All the right people were in place. Same, like Sam Mendes was back. It just is not good. They even had um, Christoph Waltz from yeah. Inglorious Bastards. Oh, man. What a, he was a villain? Yes. Yeah, what a great villain. You think like all the pieces are in play, right? Yeah. It just, it's dull. It's weirdly boring and flat. And wow. like Daniel Craig, I was like, he looks like he's sleepwalking through this movie. Whoa. And I know he's kind of had struggles with like the franchise a little bit. And he famously after Spectre on like the promo tour, people were like, do you want to play Bond again? And he was like, look, I just finished doing this. And he was like, I'd rather slip my wrists than play Bond again. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, sometimes, like, I think that was more just like, let him, like, relax. He's getting old. He's Nobody kind of a cranky him. guy. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, give him enough money. He, he will come back for a fifth one. I, I actually really think, I think he would have been done had that fourth one been good. I think he feels like, I really want to go out on a high note. Well, this one better be good then. Well, I, and like from the trailers, it definitely is trying to, like, tie the storylines together. And it's relying, the storyline is a continuation of something set up in Spectre. Okay. Which is a risky move because if No Time to Die is very good, it will retroactively make Spectre better. But if it isn't very good, it will just kind of be dragged down a bit by the elements of Spectre. So it's interesting. So you yeah. you should watch some things in Spectre that will, it just, it really is a waste of a movie kind of. Because uh-huh. I'm like, oh man, there's even like one of the biggest explosions ever caught on camera. But it's just like filmed in such a blah way with no excitement. It's, I, I, anyway, Aaron Barris, if you're listening, we saw this together in theaters. And do you remember just it being so lame and leaving the theater and being like, well, that sucked. That <laughs> Do you know when you're like in a movie theater and halfway through a movie, you're like, is this, does this suck? Yeah. It's a weird feeling, especially if you're excited for it. You yeah. know, yeah. you're like trying to like bargain with yourself. Like, well, I mean, maybe yeah, there's a good elements to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the legacy of it, but no time to die. It's on its, oh. it's coming out. It's been six years. This is the longest gap of time. That is Bond wild. Movies. The entirety of all of Disney Star Wars has happened in between. Spectre came out in fall of 2015, month or two before The Force Awakens. Whoa. It's just been so long. It's been so well, that long. That bro- like broke my brain. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm very excited for it. I hope it's really good. It's had there was some. Danny Boyle was going to direct it. He dropped out. Now it's Kerry Fukunawa, who's very good. He made like basically the good season of True Detective that we watched. Oh. I I'm very hopeful. But you are interested in saying it. Yeah. I wonder if this will deter you. Do you know how long No Time to Die is? No. 
two hours and 46 minutes. Oh, good lord. Why are we making movies this long? It better be so good. I don't know. There's a lot of jokes on Twitter. Like, it sounds like there's plenty of time to die. There's like a lot of that. <laughs> These are all the different release dates No Time to Die has had. Okay, okay? hit me. Originally, November 2019. Then when Danny Boyle left, they moved it back to February 2020. Then April 2020. Then November 2020. Then April 2021. Then September 2021. And now finally October 2021. It looks like it's going to actually happen. Crazy. All right. Who's your favorite character in the movie? I'm James Bond. I would agree. It's really impressive that they made me care about an emotional arc for James Bond. Yeah. I really like him. Very watchable. There's something so watchable watchable. about him. Yeah. And redeeming about him. Yeah. Who is your least favorite character? I'm going to go with Mathis. Oh, really? What a piece of shit. Oh, okay, but he was, he, was, he was so charming, though. He was. What a piece of shit, though. Okay, I will say this. He, they find out in Quantum of Solace that he was set up. He oh. is actually, he helps out Bond and actually dies helping him. Spoiler alert. You didn't give one. Who was yours? I don't know. Maybe Mads Mikkelsen's uh, girl. Oh, yeah. What she's, else is she in? I don't know. She poisoned Bond. She's just kind of like... She's the pits. She is She is the pits. She, yeah. That I really liked that scene, though. Oh, should we? I think my favorite part was the part where he gets poisoned and then watching him try to get out of that situation. Oh, yeah. Where you're just like, what is he, what, what is he going to do? He grabs, like, the water and salt to, like, choke up the stuff. It's yeah. very smart. Yeah. Yeah. That was your favorite part? I think that was, like, where I was most engaged. No kidding. Do you, yeah. Were you like, oh, is he going to die? <laughs> well, I knew he wasn't going to die, but I was like, what? How's he, all right, how's he going to get out of this one? Okay, yeah. Because he, like, leaves the building, and you're like, he's, like, dodging traffic. That's cool that, like, so do they have that thing set up in his car that they can, like, transfer stuff to the thing directly? I guess. Yeah, I was, like, anyway. Okay. So that was your, that was your most engaged moment? Yeah. Okay. What about least engaged? I would say the airplane part. It was so big. I will say I give big stuff a pass if I can tell it's done, like, if they're practical stunts. Do you know what I mean? Because then I'm just like, that's amazing that... A human being is doing that. I like, just, he's, like, running across the top of, like, the truck as he's, like, driving around. So yeah, he's, like, hanging on the back. Maybe it was because I was tired. What about you? All right. Least engaged. It doesn't drop me, but, like, heading into the poker stuff takes a second to, like, settle in and be like, all right, yeah, let's do it. Um, it does drop me towards the end a little bit. Like, I could see that. after the torture scene, which we have not talked about somehow. Oh, yeah. Which, oh, my gosh. I remember sitting in the theaters just being, like, horrified at that. Because it's so... It's just awful. I was kind of like, I can't believe they're showing this in a mo- in this movie. Yeah, that just torture scene was crazy. Every time I see a torture scene, I'm just reminded how I would have no resilience. No, I'd, you'd I'd be, be like... I'd be like, no, 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 stop, stop. What do you want to know? <laughs> don't even do like, don't even do like the shot across my bow. You know what I mean? Don't even do like, I'm going to show you a taste of how bad this is. I'm like, I get it. What? I'll just tell you anything. <laughs> yes. So don't tell me any secrets because I, I can't. Nobody I, come after us. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> My favorite part of the movie. It is kind of the pacing is weird, right? And you're yeah. kind of like, is there, are there, we're going to crescendo into like a finale or like a climax at all. And you really kind of drop off with like the weirdness of like putting in the love stuff kind of at, a, at like a mad pace, right? Yeah. And then you head into the finale, which I think is like perfectly serviceable. Like the thing in, the, in Venice. I think if that's basically how the movie ended, I would be like, okay, that was like fine like a good bond movie but what i love is the final scene which is another reason why it's a good prequel because you finally see like the character become more of the legend of this character is right yes and i think it's a beautifully executed scene the chris cornell opening song that tune is kind of woven in throughout the score throughout the movie 
and it's like very operatic and it has like a little taste, like a hint of the actual James Bond theme in it. But it's almost like the movie is teasing you with it the entire time, but you're never quite getting the Bond theme because he's not Bond, the classical Bond yet. And I love that the only time that you really hit it like so hard is it's just the greatest reveal of like hitting the guy in the leg. Hello? Mr. White, we need to talk. Who is this? Ah! And as he's crawling in, just like the great shot, like going up and he's like, Bond just like casually walks up. The name's Bond. James Bond. And the music just like pounds in. Yeah. That was one of the best endings I've seen. In a Bond movie or ever? Uh, At the time I felt like ever, but like, I just like, they really nailed that. It just gave me chills to watch. That is like my, that was like my favorite part of the movie. I think it's, it's so good. It's great. Yeah. Let's hear your fan casting. Um, hit me with it. Who, I don't know what you've picked necessarily. I picked villain, Bond girl, and... Bond? Bond. Okay. For villain, Oscar Isaac. Great. Good. I thought that could be fun. Bond girl, I chose Amelia Clark. Okay. I thought she could be interesting. She's very curvy, and she's very beautiful, and I think she could play like a competent, smart person she seems even though she's like tiny she's like physically capable Mm -hmm. maybe for james bond drumroll please i picked robert pattinson oh okay 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 (laughs) all right he is like suave and also i loved him in tenet i loved him in tenet he's great in that movie in like a spy sort of like, I mean, he's not a spy really, but kind of. Here's the thing about his tenant character is he is very goofy, but it's be, it's out of like a sense of control. Like he's very experienced and he kind of like knows what's going on. That's true. And that's kind of why he's able to be lighter because he's like, I kind of am in control. And so I do kind of like that element, but I, maybe you would have go for like maybe a younger Bond who is more like out of his element. That's a really good pick though. He's, he Did would you be, like my casting? That is really good. He'd be really good. And he's British. And he's, he had to be British. I mean, it's not going to happen now that he's Batman. Yeah, definitely not. But I bet we're going to see a, a type of that with Batman, like a very, I think we'll see like a pretty interesting interpretation of that character. Yeah. I hope. Okay. Who would you choose? Oh, okay. I haven't had a lot of time to really, to really think sure. about this. So I might've, I might've had like come up with maybe a bit more like inspired casting. Right. Bond villain, Adam Driver. Oh, great one. Bond girl, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Ooh, good one. And then I'm going to stick with my Bond that I had, which is Michael Fassbender. That's a good... I like that. And I like that a lot. With the option to set it in the six, in the 60s. Yeah, potentially. that's good. Do you think Adam Driver would make a good Bond? Well, yeah, he's not British. Never mind. Yeah, he can't. I feel like you ha- kind of have to. Like the, you have to, to be like, British. Yeah. yeah. Or like People would tangentially. Have a fit. Where, would, where would you be jet setting to? Okay, give Transylvania. Me, give me three locations. Croatia. Okay. And maybe somewhere like Russia. Okay. Yeah. Because you want like a little bit of variety. Yeah. You know, it's funny you bring up Tenet because Christopher Nolan has always talked about how he he wanted to make a James Bond movie. And that now people have been like, would you be interested in directing a Bond? 
And he's like, I don't really think so because I don't know what I would really bring to it now that they've like grounded and updated with the Craig movies. But I always feel like Tenet was like his Bond movie. It was like oh. kind of high concept, had like spy spy, spy stuff, stuff, also like exotic. Like there were so many shots of in this movie that reminded me of like yeah when they're on the yacht in Tenet and just yeah, kind of you know too. what I mean like oh she'd be a good Bond girl and Kenneth Branagh would be a good villain oh yeah that's what I'm saying like and then if you even want to mix together like John David Washington and Robert Pattinson like that's kind of oh, like yeah. the different elements of Bond I feel like that was his like this is how I would do a Bond. Yeah, I get that. What have you thought about like your first foray into the James Bond I, world? I I don't remember what I said about Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible though held my attention more than mm-hmm. this one did. I don't know why. It's very unexpected to me because I would think that I would enjoy Oh, you know what? I, I did think this while we were watching it. I enjoy like the Bond vibe more. Okay. But I enjoyed Mission Impossible movies more. I don't know why I feel like I have to compare them, but I like the like There I mean the, it's a good comparison to make, you know, like I can see it's an easy it's an easy comparison. Yeah, I like the vibe of jet setting and fancy clothes and parties and drinking. But I just could follow the story. I th- I thought like Mission Impossible was like a more compelling story. Yeah, okay, that's very interesting. Yeah. Where can people find us? You can find us on Instagram at WifeWatches. You can send us an email at MyWifeWatchesMovies at gmail.com. And uh, that's it. See you later. Watch you later. And remember, the name's Bond. James Bond.